Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Scott Ritter. I'm sitting in for George Galloway, and this is the mother of all talk shows. In uh, Gaza today, we have a old-fashioned whodunit. Um, an explosion took place at a hospital filled, packed with innocent civilians, civilians who needed help, civilians who needed medical help, civilians with no place to go. Hundreds died, hundred more were injured, and now fingers are being pointed. Was it an Israeli bomb? Was it a you know, Hamas rocket? Does it matter? Civilians are dying in Gaza today. It's the same old story. We'll be talking about this and much more Again, in the mother of all talk shows, Scott Ritter standing in for George Galloway. I look forward to talking with you. You are listening to the mother of all talk shows podcast with George Galloway. This is the mother of all talk shows. If you're wondering where George is, don't worry about it. He's off tonight. He'll be back on Sunday. I'm Scott Ritter, sitting in for George Galloway. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. Um, right now in Gaza, there's a humanitarian disaster unfolding. It's been unfolding ever since the current conflict between Israel and Hamas broke out. But let's be honest, it's been unfolding for 75 years. 75 years since Israel declared its independence and began what is now known as the Nakba, the catastrophe on the Palestinian people, stealing their homes, stealing their land, murdering their men, and driving the survivors into an exile. In the case of Gaza, this exile has put them into what amounts to an open-air concentration camp, a giant prison of humanity where every aspect of the life of these Palestinian refugees is, is controlled and dominated by Israel. You know, when we talk about what happened on October 7th, we can we can reflect on the horror of the innocent civilians who got caught up in this, Israeli and Palestinian alike. Let there be no doubt there were innocent Israelis who were killed as a result of the Hamas attack. Um, at least we have the intellectual honesty, uh, the integrity to recognize them as innocent Unlike the Israeli chief of staff, who has said there are no innocent civilians in Gaza. You know, this reflects the approach Israel has taken towards the population of Gaza, indeed towards the Palestinian population as a whole. They don't treat them as humans. They don't treat them the way humanity should treat humanity. They treat them as something less they treat them as animals to be ushered here, there, uh, to be fed one day, not fed the next, to be left out in the cold one day, maybe bring them in uh, the next. Um, that's not how human beings treat human beings. And one has to wonder why it's taken Hamas this long to try and bring this issue to a head. Yes, Hamas has carried out 
terrorist acts or, if you're on the Palestinian cause, acts of resistance. It doesn't matter what label you put on it. You know, one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. We, we know how that works. But again, let's look at it from the viewpoint of the Israelis for a second. David Ben-Gurion, the founding father of Israel, Israel's first president, said that the Arabs and the Israelis, the, the Arabs would be idiots to make treaties and agreements with Israel because Israel has stolen their land. Israel has occupied their land. Israel has brutalized them. And he understands the source of the Palestinian angst, anxiety, anger. But he says it's okay because this is God's will that the Holy Land is God's gift to the Jewish people, and it's just a tragedy that the Palestinians got caught in the middle. Moshe Dayan issuing a eulogy to an Israeli settler named Roy Rutenberg in 1956. Roy Rutenberg was killed in a kibbutz outside of Gaza by angry Palestinians who were imprisoned in Gaza. He said, we don't look to the Palestinians uh, and blame them. The blame is not theirs. They are in this prison looking out at us with hate-filled eyes because we have stolen their lands. We have occupied the lands. We are tilling the lands that their father tilled. They hate us, and we understand that they hate us. We need to blame ourselves, blame our own. Why? Because we forgot, he said, that in doing what we have done, in seeking our destiny, we forgot that we must continuously hold the sword in our hand that we can never forget that as we till the soil, we must also take notion of the need to repel the anger coming from Gaza, that the weight of Gaza is on our collective shoulders. What does he mean by that, the weight of Gaza? The weight of two million Palestinian human beings. These aren't animals. This is not a statistic. These are human lives. They matter. And yet, for decades, the world has not acted as if they do matter because we have given Israel a clean bill of health to do whatever it wants when it comes to resolving the Palestinian problem with no regard to the humanity, the dignity of the Palestinian people. Israel has implemented a policy. The English language, it's, it's mowing the grass. Dahiwa is the, the policy that the Israelis have put on it. Mowing the grass, what does that mean? It sounds nice. It sounds copacetic, mowing the grass. It means mowing the people, mowing the Palestinian people, mowing the children of Palestine, mowing the women of Chile. And when I say mow, I mean kill. I mean murdering them, knocking them down like, a, like, like you would grass at harvest, mowing the grass. It's Israel's policy of disproportionate force. It's Israel's policy of deliberately targeting civilian populations to crush the will to resist. It is by definition a war crime. You are not allowed to deliberately target civilian populations. International humanitarian law has made this clear. And yet Israel not only does it, but acknowledges it as its official policy and the world is silent. The world is silent. Nobody speaks out about this. Nobody has spoken out about it. It's allowed to happen because that's the way it is. You see, in order to accept Israel in the family of nations, you have to accept the principles of Zionism, political Zionism. You have to accept the notion that 
Israel and the Israelis, it's an exceptional nation populated by an exceptional people, that the normal rules and regulations don't apply to them, that because they are God's chosen people, they are allowed to do unto others no matter what, and they will not allow others to do unto them. That calculus has changed. What Hamas did on October 7th is said, no, that game is over. That time is over. There, Israel will no longer be able to rest in peace. That the Palestinian people, through the resistance that is personified by Hamas, are rising up. And now what we see through the sacrifice of the Palestinian people who are paying a price because Israel is implementing its mowing of the grass as we speak. You know, a hospital was bombed. A lot of finger pointing going on. Who done it? Was it an Israeli bomb? Was it a, a, a rocket from the Islamic Jihad organization? We don't know. I mean, I think the uh, circumstantial evidence right now points to this being an Israeli action. They acknowledge that they bombed. I mean, this is, so they say, we didn't bomb the hospital. We did bomb the garage. Well, if you take a look where the bodies are, Whatever hit that hospital didn't hit the main hospital. It hit a parking lot, the garage, where the refugees were packed in because they had nowhere else to go, where the injured were packed in because the hospital was full. This mass of humanity, these Palestinian civilians, these innocent people were packed into the garage of the hospital. And Israel acknowledges, yeah, we, we may have done that. So their whole story about uh, a rocket flying there is a lie, is a lie. But it doesn't matter who did it. Let me tell you why. Because in the hours leading up to the hospital being attacked, Israel was bombing Gaza. Israel was killing innocent Palestinian civilians. And in the hours that transpired after the hospital attack, Israel was bombing Gaza. Israel was murdering Palestinian civilians. Does it really matter in the grand scheme of things if Israel on this one occasion was responsible? No, it doesn't. Israel doesn't get a clean bill of health because they say, oops, this wasn't us. It was them. First of all, we don't know that. But let's say it was an errant rocket. That doesn't make anything Israel's doing right. It is still collective punishment. Those people wouldn't have been in the parking lot of the hospital had Israel not initiated a war crime, this illegal bombing of the civilians of Gaza, this collective punishment that Israel does, this mowing of the grass, this slaughter of the innocents. Nobody would have been in that parking lot had Israel not done that. So, I'm sorry, Benjamin Netanyahu. I'm sorry, Joe Biden. I'm sorry, Tony Blinken. I'm sorry, anybody out there who's trying to promulgate the official Israeli position that we didn't do it. It doesn't matter. You are guilty and you're being judged by the world as you should be. A war criminal enterprise known as the state of Israel and its day is done. We have populations rising in the street. We have a Palestinian population courageously suffering whatever abuses the Israeli government, the Israeli military puts at it. We have a collective resistance starting to coagulate around the cause of the Palestinian people. But let me leave you with this. It's one thing when the blood of the Palestinian children lies fresh on the ground. 
when you can see it, the redness of the blood because it still contains the oxygen from the arteries of the heart that pumped it through the now dead body. It's one thing when you can smell the iron in the air of the blood. You can smell the death and you can become enraged. But soon the blood dries. Soon the body stiffens. The corpse must be taken away to be buried. The blood is cleaned up. What then? Right now, the streets of cities around the world are filled with people rightfully, righteously stepping out and protesting against the crimes committed by Israel, the crimes that are supported by the United States. And these protests are just, and they need to continue, and they must continue, but they must continue after the bodies have been buried, after the blood is dried, after the stench of death has gone away. You must stay in the street. You must maintain the pressure, or otherwise, Israel wins again. This isn't the first time Palestinians have died at the hands of Israel. It's not the first time people have protested in the streets. But over time, the protesters go home, the dead Palestinians are forgotten, and Israel remains unchanged, unbent, unyielding, continuing the crimes. The Israeli enterprise must be brought to an end. I am not advocating the violent overthrow of Israel. I am not advocating the murder of Israeli citizens. I'm advocating a political change in Israel where Zionism is no longer the theology that drives this nation, that Israelis no longer view themselves as exceptional people who are anointed by God to bring pain and suffering on the Palestinian people, on the Arab population of the world. It's time that Israel stands shoulder to shoulder with the rest of the international community as fellow human beings, treating others as they want to be treated. If Israel wants to live in security with its Arab neighbors, then it must ensure that the Arab neighbors can live in security with Israel. Israel should no longer be allowed to have this army that it currently possesses. There's no need for an army of the side. Israel can no longer be allowed to have nuclear weapons and hold the sword of nuclear annihilation over the heads of its Arab neighbors, indeed over the heads of the world. Israel must become part of the community of nations, and it can only do so side by side with the Palestinian people that have been given the right to form their own state with equal rights, with with all the privileges, all the dignity that Israel demands of itself. They must give it to the Palestinian people. We'll be discussing this and more on uh, on tonight's show. I look forward to, uh, to having this dialogue. Again, Scott Ritter, standing in for George Galloway, the mother of all talk shows. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Let's start with our first guest tonight, uh, Abdel Barry Atwan. He's a distinguished writer, commentator, and he's the editor-in-chief of Rai Al-Yum. Uh, I, I welcome you to the, uh, to the show tonight. Uh, thank you for, for coming. It's my pleasure to be with you. Um, it is a very su- successful show. So now I have been spending most of my time actually following the situation in Gaza. You know, uh, I am. I was born in a refugee camp in Gaza, and my family are there. And to be honest, because there are the electricity cut off, because the Wi-Fi is cut off, so I don't know who is uh, dead, who is alive, still alive. Where are they? They did they, they were you know, have been evacuated from Gaza according to the Israeli leaflet leaflet which thrown to them, leaving your house, otherwise you will be bombed. So it is a very difficult and there is no water, there is no food, there is nothing that you know the the Israeli government, Israeli army stopped the vans of actually uh, aids to enter Gaza. So it it is it is uh, blockade very, very brutal blockade. And I believe people, children are killed, as you see. It is. It was capital, it was uh, collective punishment. It was actually genocide. It, it was uh, yeah, 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 death everywhere, death everywhere in, in, in Gaza Strip. So uh, it, people, people, nobody caring about them. And the, the disaster thing, when the Al-Ahli hospital was bombed by the Israeli, and what makes pe- people frustrated, angry, when President uh, Joe Biden, who's supposed to be the leader of the uh, liberal war world, of who, who consider himself as actually the d- defender of human rights, he came out and said, no, it is not the Israeli who bombed them. No, it, was, it is the other side, means the uh, Palestinian. Imagine the Palestinians are killing themselves and killing their children. This is, this is uh, the free America. This is the leader of the world. This is the country which is supposed to be with people who are really in such position. But unfortunately, they are completely the opposite and siding with the people who are committing the genocide against unarmed people this is this is that the this is a situation which i'm i'm really 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 so frustrated and so angry because the international community the west in particular they are taking the side of the killers this is this is how they were telling us, lecturing us that human rights is their value. To intervene for democracy is their value. And look what happened. They destroyed Iraq now, and they destroyed Libya. They destroyed Syria, and now they want to destroy the Gaza Strip, which is 150 square miles only, and it is a flesh everywhere. So this is the problem, and they are committing massacres in that part of the world. I 
to be honest, I am I am really shocked. I've been in this Western world, a free world, for the last 45 years. And now I, I see completely different world. I, I see, you know, a very barbaric treatment of innocent people like my people in Gaza. Well, first of all, I share your frustration and I share your anger. Um, I don't share your background, though. And, and, I, and the reason why I bring that up this way is, you know, there's another war going on in Ukraine. And when Russia surrounded the city of Mariupol, uh, Russia was accused of instigating a siege, cutting off water, cutting off electricity, cutting off food. And even though Russia didn't do that, the accusation was there. And Russia was accused of committing massive war crimes, violations of humanity, etc. Um, in the world... Europe, you said, Europe says we have values. We, we, these are our values. We condemn Russia. And yet here's Israel. They announce that they are cutting off the electricity. They announce that they're cutting off the water. They announce that they're cutting off the food. They announce that they're cutting off the basic life support. And then they bomb the city as part of a doctrine, the Dahiwa doctrine of mowing the grass. And the world says nothing. Why do you think that is? Why is it the Western world cares about Ukrainians and they don't care about Palestinians? Why is the double standard? Double standard because, you know, the, the enemy is different. When it is, the enemy is Israel, it is completely the opposite. They don't care at all. When the president, uh, uh, you know, Biden telling us that you, are, you, you must respect the international legality, you must respect the law of wars. But okay, well, we want to, you are lecturing us about the war, of law, the laws of wars. Okay, what, what are you doing now? But you are supporting the people who who are actually yeah, yeah, and dubbing the, 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 the laws of war, never commit themselves to this. When you bomb a hospital, you know, when you also, uh, you know, sent uh, warning to this hospital before, before you bomb it, you must clear, you must, you know, the, uh, close the hospital. Otherwise, we will kill you. Uh, I, I'm really shocked, you know, to say, what, what about the, those ill people? What about those injured? Where shall they go? You know, they immediately just by a leaflet saying you must clear it out completely, but where to go? And the other things, there is no medicine. Even those people, there is no medical helps at all. There is no medicine at all. So why this is, is happening? This is, this, is, this is the problem which we are facing. The enemy, that is the Soviet Union, that's uh, Russia. But now when it comes to Israel, it has to be above all the international law, all the legalities, all the religion. If the, they are actually worshipped by the West. But why? Because they don't want them to come back to the West. They get rid of them. They throw them to the Middle East, throw them to the Arabs, throw them to, again, you know, to be re replacing the Palestinian. Now they know that if Israel is defeated, that those Israeli will go back to their original countries in Germany, in France, in the United States. Scott, this is the facts. This is the facts. They don't want the Jews. That's 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 the problem. This is the problem we are facing, and we are paying a very heavy price in the Middle East, in Palestine, because of this. You know, when I take a look at the uh, the events, I, I take a look at the the, the Western media, and, and you're you know you're an editor. You, I'm sure, monitor all media. 
after October 7th, as the um, Israeli dead were being counted, um, CNN, MSNBC, American outlets, every time they talked to the family of, a, of an Israeli who was killed, they said, say their name. Tell us their name. What was their name? And notice I said an Israeli who was killed. When was the last time an American commentator, an American announcer, asked a Palestinian father, what was the name of your child? What was her name? What was the boy's name? See, we call them dead Palestinians. We don't say they were killed. They're dead. We refer to them as mathematical figures. We say 300 children were killed, 1,000 Palestinians. What are their names? Who are these people? And until we call them by their names, until we recognize them as living people, they will always be numbers. And this is one of the reasons why this this has to end. We have to start shouting the names of the dead children. They have to have names. The names must be attached to faces. The faces must be attached to bodies. The bodies must be attached to souls. So when the soul departs the earth, the people feel the same pain that the parents do. But right now, we just treat them as a statistic. How can we change this? How can we change, turn the Palestinians from a statistic to a human being? You know, Scott, I'll tell you something. Through my own, I have been in this country for 45 years in Britain, and we came here because of the freedom of expression. But when the Guardian, for example, sacked, you know, a cartoonist simply because he, you know, published a cartoons which is not actually according to Benjamin Netanyahu criteria, he was sacked. He was sacked. You know, now they, they, they don't give the other people um, opinion. They don't give them the space to talk, to talk about their miserable situation, to talk about their suffering or the people suffering. Okay. They always lecturing us saying, look, you have to be rational. You know, you, you have to prove everything with documents. You cannot just say that things like that without any any proof about it. Type, okay, the Biden, Mr. Biden, President Biden is saying that, you know, the other side who commit the massacre and uh, the genocide in Gaza or in, in uh, Al-Ahli Hospital, which, were, which was bombed just uh, two days ago or days ago. Yeah. One day ago. So the problem is okay, but then you you said, do you have any proof? Did you send an investigation groups in order to check who who committed this crime? You are the president of the United States, the superpower, the the biggest superpower on earth in history. You are saying after one day you are, that the Palestinian killed themselves, killed their children. What kind of rationality is this? You know what? How those people actually act? I'm I'm, I'm really shocked. Okay, I mean, people usually send people investigation group uh, or or committee to investigate to see the proof to see that you know what what kind of missiles was used, what kind of bomb was used, and whether the Palestinian can have these kind of bombs. But to say that no, you know, the Palestinian who did it. And, you know, we have information, the American army information, yeah, telling us that the Palestinians who committed this massacre against themselves. What kind of people like that? What kind of rationality is, is this? Please tell me, Scott, you know them, you've been with them. Tell me, what kind of rationality is this? Well, you asked me a question, I'll give you an answer. Um, first of all, there's no rationality. Um we don't treat Arabs 
as human beings. We treat them as something other than a human being. Look at how we behaved in Iraq. What is the rationality of what we did to Iraq? Look at how we behaved in Libya. We claim to care about the Libyan population, but we oversee the assassination of Muammar Gaddafi, and we've left Libya in ruins, falling amongst themselves. This society that had been built up to a level of greatness has now been destroyed because we don't view them as humans. We view them as numbers, as statistics. And sadly, that's what the Palestinians have become. Statistics, numbers. My my struggle is how, and, and some people get mad at me sometimes uh, because I become very emotional. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be calm. I'm supposed to be rational. I'm supposed to be, but let me put it this way. If somebody killed my daughter, I would not be calm. I would not be r- rational. I would be furious. I would be enraged. And I think it's important that everybody who's watching what happens to the people of Palestine, the people of Gaza, treat every child that dies as their own child, to become enraged, to become furious, to become angry, to become emotional. The time for rationality is over. I'm not talking about going over to irrational acts of violence. I'm talking about the tolerance we give to the suffering of the Palestinians, the tolerance we give to the suffering of the Arab population at the hands of Israel and the collective West. We have committed massive crimes against the Arab world. And why the Arab world continues to tolerate these crimes is beyond me. I mean, I understand the politics of the Middle East, but help me with this. Why is Egypt saying if the Palestinians leave Gaza and come to Egypt, that is an act of war. Why is the King of Jordan saying, if the Palestinians leave Gaza and come to Jordan, it's an act of war? The Palestinians are being used as a pawn right now, tragically stuck in the middle of this conflict between the Arab world and the Israelis, between East and West, but the people who are paying the price overwhelmingly are the Palestinians. When are we going to change this? When are we going to start treating the Palestinians with the respect they deserve? Uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that the Palestinian will be treated as a human by the West. You know, simply because it seems, you know, not only they are racist, but they are cruel. You know, imagine, you know, no sympathy at all with more than a thousand child babies were massacred by the Israeli raids. No, any, I cannot see any, in the media in particular, any sign of sympathy to those people who were bombed. Or the, the women who were bombed, or old people in the, in the hospital in their beds. So this is the problem. The, the media now is actually is doing a very criminal uh, coverage of the atrocities which is taking place on Gaza Strip. So when the CNN, for example, so, you know, putting the story that you know the the Palestinian beheaded the Israeli babies. So and then it is viral everywhere. And President uh, uh, Biden accept this uh, fake news as a real news, and he also propagating about it. So imagine if the if the 
head of United States, the head of the biggest superpower on earth, saying, uh, adopting a fake state and circulating it and using it to justify the bombardment, the genocide against Palestinian people. Until now, we don't know how many people were there. They destroyed a lot of buildings. They destroyed a lot of tower. They, you know, people still under under the uh, rubble, still under the destruction uh, of their houses. So how uh, I cannot, to be honest, I cannot, I cannot explain it. Uh, I cannot answer your question, Scott. Simply because you mentioned, we even we are not figure. Even, even you know, I hope they use us as a figure. No, maybe much lower than that. They don't think we are a human being. If they are, if they think we are a human being, they wouldn't behave this way. And when the Israeli minister or the army general he's saying those are those are animals, human animals. Imagine that. When the Israeli president saying that there is no innocent people, there is no civilian in Gaza, what it means? It means go and massacre them, go and beheaded them, go and bomb them. That's that's the problem which which we are facing, and they still they are highly respectable in on the Western world and in the Western media. This is the problem. This is not the media I know. I used to be, you know, an opinion writer for the Guardian. They never called me. I, I did it for years. They never called me, and you know, they banned me from appearing in all British televisions and British media. Well, I was the darling of the BBC. I was the darling of the ITV. I was the darling of Sky News. Now they don't come simply because there is the accusation is ready. Anti-Semitic. Hey, this, that's the problem. And they use it as a sword, actually, to cut our heads, to ban us completely. So what I say, well, honestly, the West is losing the so-called values. Maybe there weren't any values, to be honest, to lose it. But now, even if there is little of them, now they lost it completely. And it is shame on them. It is shame on the media in this country. It is shame on the institutions. It is shame on the parliament who are actually siding with the people who are committing the genocide against people and under a blockade for at least 17 years until now. 17 years of a blockade, it's 17 years in a cage. So, and this is, this is, you consider themselves the super people of the world, the people of uh, yeah, rationality, and the people who are intelligent, the people who are the worst, first class, and we are, even there is no cal- classification of us to any class. Well, I can guarantee you this, um, Mr. Uh, Atwan, you won't be silenced here. You'll always have a voice here. I'm sure I can speak on behalf of George Galloway and say that in the mother of all talk shows, you will not be silenced. Your voice is important. Uh, your message is very important. Uh, before we before we leave, um, you know, words have value. You know this. You're an editor. Words are important. Words have meaning. Could you quickly, and I know it's a very difficult thing to say quickly because what I'm going to ask you is a very difficult thing. There's a word out there, Nakba, the catastrophe. In the Arab world, it's known by everybody. Every Palestinian knows this. But in the Western world, in America, in England, it's unknown. 
What is the Nakba and why is it relevant to what's happening today? Yeah, the Nakba happened in 1948 when the British government at that time and with the West actually and the other countries, you know, they uh, sided with the Israeli. They sent Israeli gangsters, armed gangsters, and to kick and, you know, to kill uh, the Palestinians. They committed massacres like Deir Yassin, where about 300, 300 people were massacred, you know, in a very, very brutal way that to frighten the other to leave the country. And uh, the, about 750,000 in 1948 Palestinians were actually kicked out of their land and one of them is my family in that time i was i wasn't born in that time so this is nakba nakba because you know a whole country is demolished and then they replaced people innocent people by other people and this is the imperialistic powers which did that now this same nakba is repeated and on in Gaza Strip, and maybe later in the West Bank, they are actually uh, killing people, massacring people in order to evacuate Gaza Strip. So the Israeli reoccupy it and to get rid of the so-called terrorists, as they call it, those people who are defending their rights and want to have uh, their 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 country back. This is the problem. Yeah, they kept saying to us as Arab, look. Yeah, you have to be rational. Sorry to repeat it again. You have to talk to your enemy. You have, you know, fighting is not, it wouldn't take you anywhere. Sit with them, talk to them. You will have a state like like we gave the Jews a state in Palestine. If you do the same, we will actually give you a state. So we believe them. And the PLO, sit with them. Start, sign a treaty on the loan of the White House, Oslo Agreement, hoping that they will have a state. They never had one, nothing at all. So this is this is the problem. This is the real Nakba. The real Nakba is they don't listen to um, you know deprived people. They don't listen to uh, people who are considered about maybe tenth class, not one class. So the just one class, second class, third class is yeah, actually uh, reserved for them only. And as you mentioned, Scott, they are not even figure in their calculation. We are not even even a human in in, in their uh, calculation of, of, of how and the vision of the people in the world but this one it wouldn't continue honestly i believe now they they are very very well known they don't believe the war in in, in uh, ukraine and I, I follow all your work there you know they don't they will not win simply because they create this war and they plotted for it and they usually they don't do things in one day or in one month or one year they were planning for of this war exactly like they were planning to topple Saddam Hussein and to invade Iraq and to kill a million of the Iraqi innocent people. So and now it is the turn of the Palestinians. It is not enough for them, for the Palestinians, to be homeless, to be young and, and, and under blockade, to suffer, to see their children uh, massacre. No, they must actually also kick to, to be kicked out. Now, where now? To Sinai. And they want to convince Egypt to accept those refugees on, on their uh, Sinai, in their territories. Imagine that. The plan is there, and they are carrying out it. They are implementing it. Another Nakba on the Gaza Strip. You know, there's a saying, uh, a tiger doesn't change its stripes. 
Israel is a nation born of a Nakba in 1948. Their hands are soaked in the blood of the Palestinian people they murdered and evicted from their lands. Israel today is carrying out another Nakba. It's been an endless Nakba, an endless crime against the Palestinian people. Uh, I want to thank Abdel Bariatwan. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for providing us your insights. Thank you for showing us your humanity and sharing the humanity of the Palestinian people. This is uh, Scott Ritter. The, I'm sitting here for George Galloway. This is the mother of all talk shows. Back to you in a minute. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Hello, this is Scott Ritter sitting in for George Galloway, and this is the mother of all talk shows. Real quick, let's just see how we're doing on that poll. Um, the total number of votes right now, just under 30,000, and uh, we're showing, the question is, what could stop Israel's ground invasion of Gaza? Right now, 15% of the respondents say Joe Biden, 52% say Hezbollah Iran, nothing is 30%. The numbers are roughly what they've been all night. This seems to be the consensus, but we'll we'll see how that goes. You know, we got an email from Tony. Hi, Scott. We are witnessing the expulsion of Palestinian people from Gaza, and the Western leaders say nothing. Shameful. Tony, I agree. Uh, but maybe this is uh, an issue we should bring up with our next guest, uh, Yusuf Alhelu. I could be butchering that name, and I apologize for that. Uh, he's a British-Palestinian political commentator, and I think he probably might be in a better position to provide some insight in uh, answers to your questions. So, uh, Yusuf, thank you very much uh, for joining me tonight. Uh, welcome to the mother of all talk shows. What do you think? Uh, d- uh, what do you think about the about Tony's question? Um, is it shameful, the behavior of the West when it comes to the Palestinian people? Thank you for having me, Scott. Well, uh, I'm a Palestinian from Gaza. My whole family is in Gaza. What's happening in Gaza is utterly shocking, horrifying, um, unbelievable Israel's uh, disproportionate force um, committing all these atrocities, massacres in front of the world's eyes, and with um, light of condemn- condemnations. It's unbelievable that Israel allowed to go on uh, with its um, um, human rights violations. Um, uh, when Israel decided to uh, attack the Gaza Strip, it wanted to inflict heavy damage and kill as many Palestinians as possible, as a, and also to impro- impose um, a collective punishment just to punish Gazans um, simply for something that they didn't commit. Um, obviously, what happened on the 7th of October was a blow um, to the Israeli intelligence, to the Israeli army. And um, when Israel transformed Gaza into a testing ground, um, um, we using advanced weapons against the civilian population. And what happened last night is an evidence of that. Um, Israel has got uh, uh, precision uh, missiles that can um, target any uh, spot across the Gaza Strip, uh, killing uh, 500 plus Palestinians. Um, and also the, the notion of, that Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East, uh, this is, um, it's, it's, it's a joke. 
Uh, I mean, if you claim to be a democracy, uh, I mean, the, the the moral army in the world, then with the, uh, with the latest technology, you can um, define who is a who is a civilian, who is a militant. Um, until now, three thousand five hundred Palestinian civilians have been killed. So I don't know what's the purpose of waging this war against the civilian population uh, uh, and uh, with the um, uh, idea of displacing Gazans to forcibly ask them to leave. Where where do you want to go? I mean, should we should we, should should they drown in the Mediterranean Sea? Should we go uh, towards uh, uh, Egypt? My family is telling me that they don't have water, they don't have electricity, and it's it's barely um, you know very difficult to communicate even via WhatsApp. Uh, also, it's dangerous to go and pick up supplies. I mean, people they don't know where to go. Uh, they flee this area to that area. They are being bombarded. They stay in their houses. They are being bombarded without uh, warnings. Um, so uh, we don't know what's going to happen next. If they invade Gaza, then they will kill more civilians uh, under the pretext of uh, fighting Hamas uh, uh, resistance groups. But where, where, where are they? Uh, I mean, it's, it's really shocking why the world is allowing this to happen. Why Israel is giving this green light? Uh, why Israel, uh, you know, still behaving as a country above the international law, uh, as a rogue state? Uh, why Palestinians are, are still being dehumanized, uh, demonized? Uh, depopulated uh, areas in Gaza. Um, we don't know uh, why Israel is giving uh, this um, false uh, propaganda, uh, you know, t saying that uh, the missile was fired from Islamic Jihad and previously Hamas beheaded the babies and so on. So these, these propaganda uh, are being exposed uh, and the world knows that Israel now is claiming um, the, these things in order to justify uh, its attacks uh, on Gaza. I agree that this is a horrible situation. Uh, I think there, but this didn't happen overnight. You know, we talk about the the inability of the world to see the Palestinians as human beings. Um, we speak of them as statistics. Your family is from Gaza. Two million people shoved into 150 square miles. Um, we talk about it being an open-air concentration camp. Some people speak of it being a prison, although I've been corrected on that, because a prison is where you put criminals. And the only crime committed by the Palestinians is being born Palestinian in Gaza. But, you know, the Israelis have been trying to come up with this narrative that says, hey, life was good in Gaza. Life was good. We gave them 20,000 work permits. We were letting them out of the prison to go work in another prison, the West Bank, to make some shekels so they could come in and live the good life. Could you help the, the audience? Because I think many of them are people like me who know Gaza theoretically. You know Gaza personally. Your family is there. Could you give us a brief rundown of what life is like in Gaza? I mean, here, we're coming into the holiday season, you know, and there's an old saying in America about politics, it's the economy, stupid. And what that means for an American is, do I have my home, my electricity, running water, comfort, my cars, I have my TV, I'm going to have a Christmas tree, I'm going to put presents on that, I'm going to go on vacation to Disneyland, I can go to the airport and fly away. Do the Palestinians, our fellow human beings, have the same quality of life as we do in the United States? Could you explain to people what's it like to live in an open-air concentration camp uh, dominated by an abusive Israeli overseer? Living in Gaza is like hell. It's unbelievable. People, they are denied their basic rights. You know, uh, as you put it, it's a concentration camp, but let's, let's assume it's a prison. So imagine uh, you live in your house, 
and you live in your house forever and if you would like to leave your house you need a permit and um, thinking of leaving Gaza also this is uh, a burden because you have to think of uh, crossing to the Egyptian side take transportation to Cairo and so on and then it's really ironic how the Israelis they say oh well uh, we are providing them with electricity and water I mean we don't need well, I mean Palestinians they don't need you to provide them with these basic stuff just leave Gaza alone just uh, um, uh, uh, you know, abandon your control, um, and and then Palestinians can take care of themselves. Palestinians are not beggars who rely on humanitarian aid assistance. Just uh, you know, uh, admit that you're still in uh, in control of Gaza's airspace, territorial waters, and border crossings. Um, I was in Gaza last month, Scott, and believe me, uh, ninety percent of people there they don't feel they are alive. You know, few. Uh, I mean, in some cases of you know, young people commit suicide due to lack of, you know, jobs and poverty is very high. Um, I mean, the rate is very high. Unemployment rate is very high. Uh, they only have the Mediterranean Sea uh, along the Gaza's 40 kilometer. I mean, some people in Gaza, they didn't even see a plane or a train in their lives. Can you imagine? Um, they, they they only um, are allowed to, to live in Gaza and they are not allowed to go and visit the West Bank or, or go to... Uh, uh, to, to Jerusalem, whether they are Christians or Muslims, uh, because they need also permits. So as soon as, soon as you enter Gaza, you feel that you are in a prison. Honestly, the, uh, you know, whenever I go to Gaza, I feel this uh, atmosphere uh, because you know that you are being uh, watched, you are being monitored and controlled by the drones, Israeli drones above your head. You know that you cannot go beyond that uh, fence. And you know that if you even take a uh, about a trip on the, on, on the sea. If you exceed 10 miles, then you will be shot at. If you go towards the eastern border, you will be shot at. Uh, I mean, if you go towards the Egyptian side, it's very complication. So it's a bigger prison. Life is miserable. Uh, only 5% of people, they enjoy the luxury places. Uh, I documented my trip recently. I mean, there are nice places there, um, you know, cafes, restaurants, uh, malls, uh, resorts. Um, but the vast majority they are um, really, really suffering. Um, you know, graduates, they don't have jobs. Um, there, there is no vision of a future. You cannot plan, plan for the future because each time and then Israel bombs Gaza. So if you build a project, if you build an apartment, a house, uh, I mean, it will be bombed. Uh, you cannot plan for the future. Um, so many things are really missing in Gaza. So many people in Gaza, especially young people, children, they did not enjoy their childhoods. I mean, those who were born like 16 years ago, they experienced five wars in their age time. Can you imagine? Like, what kind of, you know, childhood is that? You are denied your childhood, you know. There are many things are missing. Israel controls what goes in, what goes out, uh, and allowing those 20,000 Palestinian workers to go inside Israel, it's like, it's, it's pity. I mean, just leave Palestinians alone, and they can't take care of themselves. So why, why they just, you know, like give you, I mean, it's, it's like they are making us favors by providing water, by providing electricity, and so on and that. So life is miserable. This is in short. But it's not just that life is miserable. You know, again, just to bring up, because I'm, what I'm trying to do here is, is to humanize the Palestinians. You know, I moved to, to the town that I live in in New York because of the quality education system. We, we came here because we wanted to give our children a, a great education because the education is the foundation upon which they're going to go forward and live their lives. But the education requires a stable home, requires a stable community. It's, you know, it's, it's part of a community effort. Uh, 
Um, in Gaza today, it's a population of over 2 million. Over 50% of them are children under the age of 18. Over 50% are children under the age of 18. You made a, an important statement. You know, if, if my children growing up uh, witnessed a car accident, one car accident, that was tra traumatic. It was traumatic. Um, Palestinian children raised in Gaza, as you said, if you're 16, you've seen five wars. But let's be clear what five wars means. It doesn't mean witnessing war from a distance. It means you're neighborhood being blown up. It means your friends being killed, your school being shut down, your teachers being blown apart, your family members wiped out. This is not stability. This is instability. This creates the most unstable foundation upon which to transform from childhood to adulthood. Uh, earlier, uh, caller talked about, you know, the Arabs and radicalization. If you want to define a pressure cooker in which you will create radicalization, in which you will create hatred. Take a child, deny them the normalcy of a normal childhood, subject them to five wars in their backyard where they watch their friends, their family, their colleagues, neighbors murdered by the Israelis, and then ask yourself, what did it take to make a Hamas fighter leave Gaza, go into Israel on October 7th, and do what he did. It didn't happen in a vacuum. It happened because of the conditions that Israel created. But I'm not justifying terrorism. What I'm trying to do is bring humanity to these children, these children who are dying today. We need not just to give them names. We need to give them identities. We need to have people understand what is happening in Gaza, because only by understanding that, transforming the numbers from figures to humans, Will we be able to sustain the pressure that's being put on Israel today by global demonstrations? The world today is rejecting the Israeli vision, but will they forget this in a week? Will they forget this in a month? How do we get the world to never forget about the Palestinian child who is being murdered as we speak by the Israelis with the support of the United Kingdom, with the support of the United States. I apologize for the emotion, but uh, this is a this is a difficult topic yeah. and I don't think it gets the attention it deserves. Well, the the suffering has become part of uh, Palestinians' daily life. Um, you know, those people who don't have dreams. Uh, do you remember during the march of return uh, two months, two years ago nearly when young people were marching uh, along the border and we, when they are met with live bullets over 300 people uh, most of them young people, including paramedics, uh, disabled people were shot at. Those people, they were expressing their anger, their frustration, that they, they do want to see their grandparents' towns and, and villages in historic Palestine. And um, they know that only this metal fence that prevents them from going there. And they were marching peacefully. So Israel, even if you are marching peacefully, then you are a target. Uh, I mean, Israel is provoked by nonviolent resistance, by peaceful demonstrations. Look, Hamas doesn't exist in the West Bank, and yet Israel kills Palestinians in the West Bank, Jerusalem, um, violating uh, Islamic and Christian sites uh, in the West Bank, grabbing more land, annexing land, uh, building settlements, uh, imprisoning Palestinians, stealing Palestinian natural resources. Uh, I mean, what else Israel wants to take from Palestinians? The oxygen? Honestly, because if you are under occupation, as you said, Palestinians, they are denied their basic rights. 
they are they only ask for a freedom for self-determination to be treated as as human beings why you dictate on palestinians how how they live uh, i mean if you think that you are god's cho chosen people then i mean they this they said it many times the palestinians they are snakes they are cockroaches and they don't deserve to live and kill their babies in 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 their mother's wombs i mean what kind of mentality is that if your society in israel is indoctr indoctrinated uh, if all settlers are armed then this pose a, a, a real uh, challenge here if you would like to live in peace with your neighbor then you have to recognize their right to exist the plo recognized israel's right to exist uh, and many concessions were made by uh, arafat by the current leader abbas the so-called peace process was born dead um israel kill it killed any chance for peace that's why there is frustration anger uh, inside palestinians uh, who only want to uh, you know live uh, as normal human beings but israel is keeping pressuring, pressuring them keep them in this cooker pressure uh, and then when Palestinians react, when the Palestinians uh, resist, then uh, they are pointed at and described as terrorists. I mean, even the United Nations under international law, if any nation is under occupation, they have to they have the right to resist. So um, even as I said, nonviolent resistance is not acceptable. So what else Palestinians can do in order to ex express themselves and, you know, just say, look, guys, our hands up, we raise the right flag. It's not going to happen. Palestinians, they... Uh, want to take their their homeland or their their occupied lands back they just want to be treated as as uh, in in a fair way um they want to uh, enjoy the, their childhood they want to enjoy their life they want to uh, be able to fly to take israel destroyed uh, gaza international airport in the year 2000 i was lucky i flew from gaza international airport to the outside world israel destroyed the airport uh, we didn't have an, a seaport you know gaza seaport is the only uh, seaport closed for shipping in the whole Mediterranean region. You know, can you imagine? We we, we have um, 40 kilometers, we don't have a seaport. We are not allowed to have a seaport. We we don't have a train. We don't have... I mean, Gaza is really like... Uh, even, you know, some people say Zimbabwe is, is much better than Gaza. Can you imagine? I mean, Gaza is, is next door to Israel. Israel enjoys, uh, you know, all the good things in life. They have um, fresh water. They have, you know, can you imagine they absorb the water coming from the West Bank in the aquifer just to deny Gaza its right, its share from the from the water. Gaza, Gaza people, they, they drink they drink salty um, water with high salinity. Uh, I mean, even now they cannot uh, find water to drink. They cannot find fuel to to uh, pump their uh, their cars. They do not have electricity to um, you know keep warm. I mean, these are basic human rights. When you impose this collective punishment, it will not uh, force Palestinians to, uh, you know, surrender. It will really, you know, create this violence, this anger inside them, and they will keep resisting. They will, they will not lay, uh, you know, lay the, their arms. I mean, I'm talking about Hamas. So, if Israel wants to have peace in the Middle East, they have to end their occupation. They have to address the root cause of the problem. They, they must you know, create uh, prosperity. They must allow Palestinians to, f to have a normal life. This is what Palestinians are asking. They're not asking for too much. Real quick, because we're, we're running out of time, but um, do you believe there's a chance for Palestinians and Israelis to live together uh, side by side in peace? Um, or has Israel blown that opportunity? Is there a chance for peace in the, uh, in the Holy Land? Israel has uh, created so much hatred. Uh, Israel uh, is, you know, planting hatred 
every minute, every second, when Palestinians are killed, maimed, you know, flesh of babies are being scattered all over Gaza nowadays. As we talk, Gaza is blowing up Gaza, you know, striking by tanks, by warplanes. If you treat Palestinians in this way, you are killing any chance for co coexistence and peace because people, they will never forget. Simple as that. I don't think it's going to happen. Unfortunately, Israel killed any chance for peace. Well, you know, normally I wouldn't want to end a, a segment on negativity, but I think reality is important and people need to reflect on the grave reality of the situation in the Middle East and understand that whatever ill feelings exist for Israel, it's because of what Israel has done to itself. Um, uh, Yusuf al thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thanks for uh, coming on the Mother of All Talk Shows. I certainly hope to have an opportunity to talk with you again. I really appreciated it. If you're watching on George's uh, uh, Patreon tonight, um, you can now stream the documentaries Killing Kelly and the Killings of Tony Blair via pay-per-view on the George Galloway Patreon page uh, or stream free if you become a subscriber. Uh, you also get uh, your say on the poll heard live on Mother of All talk shows, just like Graham Briggs White, who is a Moats legend. Without a doubt, Biden and the unconditional uh, support for Israel by the Western mob stopped. End the killing and let China, Iran, Russia, and others broker terms and peaceful settlement. Returning to the real world, I will not hold my breath. Matthew White, also a Moats legend. I'm, I voted nothing, Scott. Well, thank you for that. That's uh. That's a pessimistic outlook, but it's one that I respect because it's probably more reality-based than anything else out there. Uh, Israel is on a hell-bent campaign of utter destruction. It thinks it's the other destruction of Palestine. The sane world can see that the other destruction will be of Israel by themselves. Zambos, a new Patreon member. The U.S. is more Israeli than Israel itself. Biden should be an old people's home, not the head of a country. He couldn't be the head of public toilets. Um, that's a harsh indictment. But um, live now, we're going to move to Garland Nixon, my good friend Garland Nixon, a well-known uh, commentator, expert, political scientist, and all-around good guy. Uh, normally, Garland is the one interviewing me. But tonight, Garland, you're on the mother of all talk shows. And if you expected George Galloway, I apologize in advance. You get me. But uh, welcome. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. Thank you for inviting me, Scott. Anytime. I would I would invite you anywhere. Look, Garland, we uh we don't have much time because I've been babbling on all night, but uh, in about the 10 minutes that we do have, um, why don't you educate the audience uh, on how you see uh, the events ongoing in Gaza today? What's the, um, you know, what's your elevator talk? What's your elevator pitch to the audience about who's to blame and where we're going? Well, I think one of the things that we're looking here is a furtherance of the um, advancement of a multipolar world and the discussion of the so-called rules-based international order, which is arbitrary application of the law, and those who advocate for um, international laws, United, the United Nations. We see Russia and China now saying, we have United Nations resolutions. We have um, a history of um, the United Nations meeting and coming up with uh, resolutions and, 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 and ways to solve this, even in, in fact, I believe it was President Putin or President Xi, I don't remember which one, who mentioned that during the creation of Israel by the United Nations, um, it was then said that the that the um, 
uh, the Palestinians would not be discriminated against and they would have access to a land of their own, et cetera. Meanwhile, we see the United States and Israel basically and the, the, the U.S. and its and its vassals saying under the rules based international order, any member of our sphere as it is can do as they please and no one can push back on it so um i think that's that's a big part of what we're seeing now the furtherance of this uh, this this and, and when when i say the rules based uh, order versus uh international law what i'm really saying is arbitrary application of the law which is rules based order we can do what i we want when we want because we have the the, the power the coercive power be it economic or military power to do it versus is rule of law. Everyone has to live under the rule of law. And that's the um that's what we're seeing right now. And I believe that um the what we're going to see, you know, at some point after this, we're going to see the Muslim world and other parts of the world start to look at economic ways that they can address this, um, uh, going away from the West, uh, taking their business elsewhere, taking their money, their investments elsewhere. I believe there will be some consideration on um, energy supply. We could get to a point where some of the Muslim countries could either threaten to or um, or actually stop providing energy to you know maybe the US or the West um, as a as a means to to change their mind so I think we're looking at a, a significant time period here of course you have been discussing the really I mean uh, incredible um, elements of the conflict right now where you know genocidal acts are being taken where we've heard every excuse for the hospital bombing except um, six Ukrainians in a sailboat I imagine that's coming next um, but you know there is a there is a broader context here and I don't want to say that to belittle the incredible suffering that the Palestinian people are um, experiencing. You know, you brought up uh, China, Russia, uh, you brought up the rules-based international order. Would I be wrong in, in saying that um, Israel could only exist under the, inter uh, the rules-based international order, that Israel, as it's currently uh, manifested, couldn't exist in a genuine multilateral society uh, premised on the rule of law? equality for all. Uh, what happens when the rules-based international order collapses and this law-based international order that China and Russia are starting to promote, what happens to Israel in that environment, assuming that they survive uh, this current conflict? You know, I would say, um, notwithstanding the, you know, the discussion about the, or, or the, or the origin of Israel, I would say that Israel could, in fact, not only exist but in a more much more healthy manner under the rules based international excuse me under under international law right under uh because you know the, the, again notwithstanding the um origin of, of of israel i believe that um the palestinians and the muslim people are very very reasonable people and that if they were getting a fair and honest deal that if they felt that they were being fairly and honestly represented that th there was some discussion of either a right to return and or compensation for those who couldn't return there are things ways that this could have been worked out the, the 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 muslim people the palestinian people are reasonable and if they could get get their day in court and get an honest and fair outcome, I believe that they would do it. Um, however, the other side, the United States empire, won't do it. Israel, to me, is not a real country. It is a United States military outpost. In fact, Alexander Haig 
re, um, uh, spoke of Israel as the United States unsinkable aircraft carrier in the Middle East. Joe Biden said if they didn't exist, we'd have to create them in order to address our um, our interests in the region. So the reality is the United States doesn't see Israel as a country. It sees it as a fort. In, in 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 the in the midst of all of that oil so that they can um express their military coercive means that's why they're armed to the teeth and they stay armed to the teeth and 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 i but as again i i think under international law the palestinian people if they got a fair deal if they felt they could get a fair deal would sit down in a table and would get a fair deal and would would be willing to accept one well garland what you just outlined um which i agree with is the fact that the United States can never be trusted as uh, as that honest broker, as a uh, impartial um, mediator? That uh, going forward, um, you know, the United States has traditionally held the role of the of the peacemaker. Um, but it's time maybe for another nation to step in. Uh, we just saw China step in and broker normalization of relations between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Do you think there's a role for China? in bringing an end to the uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict? Absolutely. But I think the interesting thing about it is, if you listen to what China says, the neocons in the United States argue that China wants to replace the United States as the world hegemon, that China wants to assume the leadership role of the world and take over everything. There's a lot of projection going on there. I don't believe that China wants that burden. They say the, that China wants to replace the, the have the RMB or, or, or the yuan replace the dollar as the world's reserve currency. I don't believe based on what China says, that they have a desire to take that accountability and responsibility for the world. I think what China wants is a fair deal. Certainly, their economic power will be a force in the world. And as I see in the Middle East, they use their economic power to bring about a peaceful resolution um, between the Saudis and the Iranians rather than to exploit um, the divisions between those two. So I, I think when we talk about a world order that that China is involved in, that Russia is involved with, certainly their 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 economic military commodity power um, is a is a factor in a, in a in a multipolar world. But I don't think they want the burden. They're saying we got rules and uh, and 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 under these rules, we can thrive, other people can thrive, and that we can improve ourselves. And I think that's what we're looking at. The U.S. is struggling against something. They're fighting against modernity. The world is changing. And this is part of, uh, uh, sadly, um, the fight. And what they're going to learn is that there is far too much power in the Muslim world coming from the people. That's what I think is beautiful. Some of the governments in the Muslim world are highly compromised for one reason or another and may not respond in a way that the people in these countries would 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 want. But what we're seeing now is the people in the Muslim world who are stepping up, who are overwhelming their governments in the streets. So to the point where the governments know we have got to go along with what our people want or we'll lose power. And I am happy to see that somewhat in the West. I think it's going to grow. I think Israel um, is only is really hurting itself in that it is um, damaging its reputation, if it could be damaged anymore. And I'll add this, I'll add this. If you are a Jewish person and you have um, a citizenship in the United States and Israel, and the the, uh, Israel is involved in constant war and conflict, you're getting the hell out and you're going home. 
And Israel won't exist, not because someone has to come in and destroy it, but because they market themselves as an oasis for the Jewish people where they can come and be safe and not face face anti-Semitism and blah, blah, blah. But if the people who have dual citizenship feel safer in their other country, they will leave. And I think that's going to be something that um, Israel is going to have to contend with in the very near future. Okay, Garland, now we got a minute left, so I'm going to give you the easiest question of the night. And that, of course, means it's the most difficult question. Will Iran get involved in the current fighting between Israel and Hamas? I don't think they will become directly involved in the same way that the United States is providing logistics and 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 bombs and things to Ukraine and saying we're not a participant here we're not we're not shooting we're not involved i would think that you will probably likely probably already are seeing something similar from iran and if the united states can argue that they're not part of the ukrainian war uh, ukrainian conflict then iran can certainly argue that they're not part of the conflict um in the in the palestinian israeli conflict there you have it ladies and gentlemen from the horse's mouth himself, Garland Nixon, Iran will not get involved. But uh, like any prediction, it's subject to uh, the proof is in the pudding test, and we'll find out. Garland, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy day to uh, to join uh, me on the Mother of All Talk shows, and I'm sure we'll be talking very shortly in the near future. Um, again, Garland Nixon, not only a friend of the, the show for George Gallery, but a friend of myself as well, and people would... Uh, do well to follow Garland Nixon and his various uh, radio shows, his podcasts, etc. Okay, we're coming down to the end. Uh, we're going to take one last look at the poll. We got just over 30,000 votes. What could stop Israel's ground invasion of Gaza? Final results. Joe Biden, 15%. He ain't the answer. Hezbollah, Iran. Well, the numbers keep changing on me. Now it says 52%. But hey, Garland, according to the poll, you're wrong. And absolutely nothing between 25 and 36%. I want to thank everybody for participating in the poll. Uh, as I said, the, the, the proof is in the pudding, and time will tell us uh, who's right. One last email from uh, Majid. Hello, Scott. I'm wondering if we are currently reliving times of World War I. From my humble knowledge, one of the major causes of World War I was a lack of effective leadership. We today seem to have a chaotic response to events from the world's leaders. What is going on with the world's leaders? Best, Majin, what want? Hey, look, uh, Majid, you're right about the West leaders, but it takes two to tango. Just like World War I wouldn't have happened except for the incompetence of the Kaiser and the, and the king uh, of, of, of England, um, World War III isn't going to happen without the incompetence of Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin. But Vladimir Putin's not incompetent. He's the best hope we have for a peaceful outcome to the world solution, the only adult in the room. Um, last call of the night from Amro, uh, Amro from Sydney. A quick call, Amro. Welcome to the show. Oh, hey, hey, Scott. Thank you. Um, it's really good to uh, talk to you. I'm a big fan and uh, keep speaking the truth, mate. Um, I just wanted to um, uh, speak to Garland's point about the Arab nation getting involved in this based on the public opinion. Um, um, I am obviously an Arab. And uh, I have never met an Arab uh, who didn't support this cause. And I think uh, we've reached a point, to your point, why are the Arabs taking it? We don't know. But I think uh, this time it just seems different. Uh, we're seeing Iran talking to Saudi Arabia. 
uh, we're seeing, um, and, you know, the Arab leaders stepping up. Joe Biden, uh, uh, Sisi just uh, turned away Joe Biden the other day. So I think this time we shouldn't sleep on the Arab uh, nation because, uh, as you know, Egypt is a, has a sizable army. Um, and uh, what would you think would happen if the Arab nations were to be brought in? Well, I mean, that's a that's a good question. Look, Egypt has said it would be a state of war if the Palestinians are evicted. Jordan said it's a state of war. Hezbollah is prepared for a state of war. Iran can also intervene. Syria, uh, Israel has created its ultimate nightmare by um, legitimizing the notion of a united Arab front together, a united Islamic front, because remember, Pakistan is weighed in, Morocco's weighing in, other nations are weighing in. This could be the end of Israel. Uh, it is a nightmare situation. Israel, of course, has a nuclear option, the Samson option, they call it, where they would bring down the entire walls. But uh, the, the, the the people from Europe, the United States and elsewhere didn't go to Israel because they want to commit suicide. They went to Israel to live a better life. They're right now they're doomed to a life full of violence, of hatred. Um, I, I think that hopefully Israel will become wise to this issue. You know, uh, I talked earlier about somebody very close to me involved in uh, activities in Washington, D.C. That's being called an insurrection. It's an insurrection for the Palestinian people. But let this not be an isolated insurrection in Washington, D.C. Let it not be a handful of demonstrations around the world. Let this be an insurrection for humanity, for the children who have no names. Give these children names. Make their sacrifice mean something. Make their deaths have meaning. Allow their sacrifice to bring peace. Think on that. George Galloway is back on Sunday. Thanks for watching tonight. Scott Ritter sitting in for George Galloway, the mother of all talk shows. Have a good night. 